Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Okay, you ready? You want to live to 200 years old? Did you hear what I just said? Would you like to live to 200 years old? Would you settle for 150, right? Well, this man doesn't want to settle for 150, doesn't settle for 120. And I've been fascinated with him because we have so many mutual friends. He's an author. He's got a book out called The Science and Technology of Growing Young by Sergey Young. It gives you an idea of what his name is because I just finished this book in two days. He's a longevity expert. He's the Benjamin Button of planet Earth right now. He's also founded the Longevity Vision Fund, which is a fund dedicated to technologies that can extend lives and the quality of lives. So I'm so excited to have this man here today. This is going to be a compelling, note-taking, awesome vision-stretching conversation. Sergey Young, welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you today. <laughs> so am I, brother. All right. So let's, we're going to talk about things that exist now that can help people live longer. Yeah. We'll talk about some things that are on that 10-year horizon, like you like to do, and then some stuff mm -hmm. that may be 20, 30 years out. But first off, why do you have this belief because average life expectancy now is around 78 years old, somewhere yeah. around there. Yeah. What makes you believe that over the next couple of decades, people may live to 150 years old, maybe even 200 years old? What gives you hope and belief that that's possible? Yeah. So basically this exponential power of technologists, which finally arrived to this world, like the science, I mean, could have been exist 30, 50 years ago, but like, it's just combination of technology and science, which brings us this, this hope and this, this, this desire and, and finally ability to live longer. Like 30 years ago, like the U.S. spent $3 billion of government money to sequence one human genome. Right. And 13 years. Right now, just a few hours, right? And a couple of hundred dollars. Yeah, again, 20 years ago, this you know, CRISPR thing was available to handful, literally handful of people who had really serious genetic disease. They were like really unlucky in genetic lottery. Yeah. And today we all, you know, part of global experiment of gene therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you look at mRNA vaccines, which is the like Moderna, et cetera, it's outcome of uh, gene therapy. So that's amazing. And uh, full disclosure, Ed, like, like the first time that we will be able to check, like what what what's the life's maximum lifespan extension that we'll do? It's it's going to be really far away from here. So I'm 49. So to check if I can break this sound barrier of the maximum lifespan yes. of 122 years that we have today in, uh, in the world, yeah. guys, we will need to kind of stick together for another 73 years. It's going to be amazing 73 years. Eh? We don't know how the world will look like in 73 years. So like it's, it's all about aspiration. It's all about getting the message across. And the message is we're all going to be living longer or radically longer in this world. So let's just be prepared for that. 
longer and radically longer. And by the way, the book is so awesome because in the book, he kind of takes you through, imagine your life. And it's sort of this scenario. And when you're done, you go, oh, that's just, yeah, that's Star Wars stuff. That's outer space. He goes, actually, a lot of this is going to be here over the next 10 to 20 years. And it's just, it's fascinating. And, and by the way, even if you read the book, you'll find that, you know, there may be a belief that it could live even longer than that. When some of these, you know, I'm fascinated by epigenetics, the genetic editing stuff that's taking place now tissue and organ regeneration guys i mean you got your organs functioning they can regenerate you know you have cellular health this is not pie in the sky stuff so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through the different you know parts of doing it now as well so yes i want to talk about things that are they may seem basic i want to say one thing for me if you agree with this sergey just the intention just having the intention of living longer just making that an outcome of yours as a human being I believe opens up a space that didn't exist in your life and in your world prior to thinking that thought, just the thought alone that I'm going to live a long time and picking a number, I think too, having a number. Do you agree with that? Or is that crazy? Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, so I'm typical placebo man, actually. That's why I like supplements, right? I, I have plenty of supplements yes. because, you know, the, the like 30 or 40% of the outcome of the positive result, uh, you know, from the supplements comes from placebo effect. And I'm, so I'm typical placebo man. Wow. So my motto, every morning I wake up and my mantra is, I'm going to be living to 200 healthy and happy years in the body of 25 years old man. So imagine I started to do it a couple of years ago. My life has changed because imagine every morning I wake up and three fourths of my life is ahead of me. I have plenty of plans. I can even excuse myself for three years from this planet to go back and forth to Mars. (laughs) <laughs> and my family is not going to be pissed off. I have four kids. I, I, I'm an investor, so I call it, I'm the founder of Diversified Portfolio of Four Kids. Okay? <laughs> so like just the, the psychological aspect of aging is really important. I it's, agree with you. So your target age, if you, if you put it like 10, even 20 years below that your calendar age, will do amazing things with your body and your mind. You're so right. Just experiencing you and your energy. I got to tell you, my audience is diverse. There's people... 14 years old, listening to this, there's people in their seventies. But one of the things when I hit my forties and fifties, I started to say things that were insanely stupid. Like I'm old, I'm old now. I'm old now. Just those statements. And people say, you're not old and you don't look old either. By the way, physically you look 25 years old. And I said, I feel it. But just the verbal part of it. And it's not, it's not part of the book. We're going to get into the details now. I just want everyone to have that intention of living that long in the body of a 25 year old. I love the way you describe that. Now let's talk about stuff right now. There's six things that Sergey typically talks about that you could be doing right now. And we can go through most of them if you want. But one thing that I do is I, uh, because I've had some heart issues, I do regular lab work, regular checkups with my doctor. I'm talking quarterly for me. And for a while I was doing it every other month. Most people will go years without seeing a doctor unless they get sick. So talk about some of your six things people could do right now to right now engage living longer and more healthy. Yes, beautiful. So for me, it's it's the most important most important part of the book. This is why I am in longevity. I mean, you know, all these exciting technologies which will be available to us in the next 10, 20 years, this is all great. But for me, change starts today or tomorrow morning. But that's like the only optionality that, that you have. So some people find it boring. That's why I created this Sergey Young guy. That's why I've developed this horizon to live 250 years. And then the far horizon of longevity to live to 200 years in the form of, 
you know, internet of bodies, human brain, AI integration, human avatars. But like, we don't need to wait for another 10 to 20 years. There's right. so many things that you can do today. Again, it's called boring stuff. Mm-hmm. And to live to at least 100 mm-hmm. healthy and happier. Unless you are really unlucky in genetic lottery. And this is like really rare. You need to have like really rare genetic disease. And then it's a separate discussion. Mm-hmm. We're working on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many things that we should and we can do today. So then one caveat before that. We, we humans, we like one silver bullet. And people always ask me like, Sergey, like what are like just one thing that I need to do to sort out this kind of health stuff? Okay. And I'm always saying if one answer to aging and nature-related diseases would exist in this world, then it's either mother nature in a, in a process of evolution or scientists in a, in a process of scientific research will find this answer. So it's and human biology is the most complex and fascinating field I've ever discovered for myself. So be prepared. It's always a combination of things and you need to follow through on many dimensions. Number one, and this is when I have 30 seconds on longevity. Uh, I talk about this is exactly the thing that you just mentioned, doing your medical screening. We just need to understand we're living in a completely different world today. Like 20, 40 years ago, there was zero value of you knowing if you have cancer or not. It was actually negative value because cancer was kiss of that. And you just kind of got the information that you, you're going to survive for another six or nine m- months on this planet. And that's it. You've done. People were deferring their cancer screening days because, I mean, there was like zero useful information uh, and the outcome from that. Right now, um, making sure you do early diagnostic of cancer, increase your recovery rates from 20, 30% to 90 to even 100%. Wow. So your opportunity and, and ability to survive and actually to sustain the quality of your lifestyle and uh, the quality of your health is enormous. And yes. for majority of cancer types, early diagnostic of cancer, stage one, uh, early uh, stage cancer is 93 to 100% for major oh, cancer types. This is amazing. Like yes. some of the machines that we see in the, in, um, in the hospitals today, they, it, it just, it's, it's really space machines. Like MRI machine, three Tesla MRI, they have the a, uh, uh, artificial intelligence-driven brain, right, network, algorithm, updated every month. And the last two years, so I'm doing my uh, annual screening every year in San Diego, California, in, uh, in, in uh, Human Longevity Center set up by our very good friends. Um, so, yeah, you know, the same place. Yep. Yeah. So two, in the last two years, it was actually, after I've done full-body MRI, it was artificial intelligence scanning uh, and, and looking through my scans. And then it was uh, discussion with doctors. So it's radiologists empowered with artificial intelligence, increase exponentially your chances to get um, uh, the analytics right, the diagnostic right, and survive. Just one figure, and it's fascinating. So you, average radiologist working under the time pressure which is probably 100%, 150% of time of their working mode, is successful in diagnostic early stage breast cancer in 38% of cases. Crazy. That's awesome. If you, if you empower the same man or woman 
with a beautiful profession, empower him or her with artificial intelligence algorithm, yep. the, the ability to detect grows to 98 to 99%. That's amazing. And we've been investing in so many companies. Diagnostic comes to our home, like, you know, all this Cologuard. So using our blood test to, to, um, to detect like risk of colon cancer. Yes. Uh, it's just amazing. So, well, just make sure the most important day of your life every year is, is the day of your annual screening. If you want to do it quarterly, this is great. Every well, I do, Sergey, just to jump in, I, I just want to stay on this. First off, I want you to hear what he said there because I didn't look at it that way. Early stage detection of disease, cure rates and survival rates on most diseases are incredibly high detected early. We die from these diseases because it's stage three when we find it. It's stage yeah. four when we find it. In my case, I don't have perfect genetics when it comes to plaque accumulation in my arteries. I detected it in my 30s. I'm still with you here because I was doing regular lab screenings. And so, hey guys, uh, if you don't go to the Longevity Center in San Diego, get an executive physical once a year. Get your blood looked at. The, the way that they look at blood now, everybody, it's not HDL, LDL. There's little particle, big particle. There's... There's your, your liver enzyme levels. There's all these things. There's your lipoprotein little a. There's these things you don't even need to know what they are. Just know that they're tested for now. And if you haven't been there in a while, do it at least once a year. And I think this starts in our 20s. I really believe that. So I just want to second what he has said there as if I'm anywhere near the expert he is. But we do have similar friends and we've been on a similar journey. So I just want to really stamp that one is so important. Yeah, this is... and. And this is much cheaper. Like prevention is 10 to 20 times cheaper mm. than treating something when, it, when disease manifests itself. Because this is very old school, like 30, 50 years ago, you need to wait until disease will manifest itself. And this is why when you see Dogger right now, you, uh, you define when you need to see Dogger and it should be like super regular. Yeah. So that's okay. one. One. That's so I want to go. I want to focus on a couple of them, Sergey, just because mm -hmm. I, we have so many of the future things yeah. I want to talk about too. Two is let the food be the medicine. I want you to read the book to get that one, guys. That's why you go get a book, right? What's the food? What's the medicine? Uh, third is get moving. My audience is pretty good at that. Exercise, moving, those kind right. of things. Here's a biggie. Eat early and less often. What do you mean by that? Can you define that for us? So um, basically, I'm, I'm, well, there's a lot of disagreement what actually extends our life in academic circle, but it's one agreement. If you decrease the caloric intake, if you literally decrease the number of calories that you take every day by 15 to 25%, of course, you need to, to look at the balance between physical activity and the, and the caloric intensity. But so it actually extends your life by two, three, five healthy and happy years. That's a big thing. Yeah. Well, it's easier to say, well, Sergey, you need to last 15 to 25% less you know, calories, but it's very difficult to do. Uh, so what are my life hacks on that? One, I do fasting. So, uh, you know, cool. I fast 36 hours every week. Wow. Okay. Two nights and one day. It's okay. actually Sunday. Yeah, I, it's, I start on Sunday evening or on Monday evening. And then I, you know, just two nights and just one day during one day. I just drink you know, some water, herbal tea, and that's it. So Can I ask about that, Sergey? Can I inquire about that? So, sure. um, because the fasting, I've had intermittent fasting. We've talked about this, but 36 hours. Phil Mickelson, the professional golfer, started doing that about two years ago. He's been a guest on my show. He says he feels literally 20 years younger doing it. When you began doing that, because I've not done it. I've done yeah. some intermittent fasting, the 36-hour thing. Okay, I want to ask you about this. Did yeah. you just right off the bat 
goes 36 hours or did you build up? Did you do 24 for a while or do you just go 36 and you're fasting for the 36 hours? Yeah. So I, I started to do 24 hours fasting, okay. but then it's, it, well, what is happening? Like in the first 17, 18 hours of fast, and I'm, I'm speaking about the average man or woman, right? We are not average like this. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let actually beauty of technology. It's going to be much more personalized, but like within the first you know, 16, 18 hours of fasting, body just cleans itself right? Your autophagy actually start after this period. Well, that's, that's the beauty of that. When your old cells, which your body doesn't need them, yeah, you can actually clean it in a, in a process of fasting. But as this whole thing starts after, you know, 17 or 18 hours of fasting. That's why I didn't feel really, I, I, I haven't thought that it's logical just to do like 18 hours of fasting and then like the, the sweetest period, like the best period of fasting, I start to eat again. Well, so I, I've done 24 hours and then I thought, okay, well, Sergey, I mean, you sleeping during the night anyway, don't you? Right. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a trick, but what I can do. So, um, and I thought uh, rather than starting to eat, so imagine I start uh, Monday evening, rather than starting to eat on Tuesday evening, I was like, can I just extend it to like Wednesday morning? Mm. And um, and obviously I'm, I'm, it's difficult sometimes to uh, go to bed if you're hungry. And um, do you get hungry anymore? Do you yeah, still get no, hungry? Not really. No. I'm just, but what I do in the evening, I just like I take uh, fiber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah, zero calories uh, with the water with herbal tea. It fills my stomach a little bit, and, mm-hmm. and then I go to bed. But, but like, it, literally, you just need to see me like on uh, Monday evening at 9 p.m. when I'm going to bed after tw- first 24 hours of sleep. It, it, this is amazing. This is like the best sleep I have um, it, during my week. Really? You feel so light. You feel so energetic. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you're literally feeling young. And uh, well, that's it. the beauty of that. Yeah. I'm doing so, it. I'm, and- I'm going to start Sunday night. I'm going to start. Yeah. yeah. Just give it a start. But like, make sure like, you know, pre-fasting day, post-fasting day, concentrate on vegetables. Don't do a lot of like heavy stuff like uh, meat protein or fish protein, um, et cetera. But uh, otherwise, like the best diet is, is a balanced diet. Okay, and everybody that's uh, listening to this, that's a bodybuilder, because I've had a few, the point then, if you're a bodybuilder and you're training for huge muscles and you're not uh, going to fast for 36 hours because you're taxing yourself and you may need some of those proteins, I think listening to what Sergey has said about 15 to 20% less caloric intake, you could still get away with doing that by uh, just because these, these bodybuilders, these fitness people that listen to my show, that segment of the audience, they're incredibly food disciplined already right oh yeah Yeah. just focusing on that because that is the consensus in aging less food processed through your body longer life by two to five years so that's this is why i had sergey on you guys i do think it's important to put it in the context uh of um your physical routine as well so i mean you don't need to be binary about this whole thing but like if you take out this kind of fasting pressure from your everyday you know, following like 80, 18 hours of fasting and like six hours of food intake. If you just put it in the context of the week, it might be actually much more useful and, okay. and, and easier to implement. Okay. So guys, I want to go through you through his list with yeah. you. One, get regular checkups. Two, let the food be the medicine. Three, get moving. Four, eat early and less often. And then the last two, I'll have you talk about these. Five is constantly work on quitting bad habits. And six is make sleep your superpower. What are those bad habits and what about sleep? Because that's changed my life, my sleep, my sleep situation. I'll let you go there. Yeah, so um, bad habits. 
um, basically, uh, like, sometimes we, we do really stupid or risky choices in our life. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And, uh, and, and people think it's something superficial. So tobacco smoking. Yeah. It's minus 10 years from your lifespan. And this is awful. And I thought it's pretty rare because we don't see these people on the street because right now, from regulatory perspective, it's prohibited. But like, if you look at statistics, 25 to 30% of adults is still doing tobacco smoking, minus 10 years. Not always using your seat belts is minus two years from your life. Just riding motorcycle is 17 times more dangerous than driving the car, 17. Mortality rates from motorcycle accidents is like 17 times car and then. And then alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> alcohol and coffee, like two, my, yeah, my favorite questions. So I'll come back to that. Just right. one final example, um, which I wanted to mention. So I, I, I've been blessed with a lot of travel experience. Uh, a few years ago, I just went through the book of Tim Ferriss for four hours work week, and I, I had my wish list. And so I went to North Pole and South Pole. And actually, I mean, it sounds really risky. It's, it's just beautiful places on Earth, but like, it's not that risky. So then I had an opportunity to join the group of guys who were climbing Mount Everest, the, the highest mountains on Earth. And I look at statistics there, and it was like 6% mortality rate. And I said, oh, look, um, I'm not sure I can afford that. And But here's the story. Uh, two months ago, I received an email from my very good friend from California. She's an amazing woman, entrepreneur. And she's like, well, Sergey, I'm about to climb the most dangerous mountain on earth. And uh, so the, the name of this mountain is K2. And, and you know what mortality rate for this is 25%. What? So Russian roulette, right? You, yeah. you just, it's 17%. Yeah, it's a dangerous game. It's like 17% of dying. It's like really yeah, putting your salaries. But like one out of four is not going to come back. I'm like, oh no, my God, I'm not in this business. So that's that's very important. And we think it's 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 not with us, okay? It's 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 about some other people. We we never do this, you know, this yeah. kind of stupid choices. So I, the, the polite version of this is called passive longevity. I, I do think it's extremely important. Okay. Okay. So that's one. Yeah. And sleep. You know, I always uh, and and probably I don't know if you had Matthew Walker on uh, on your show. Yeah. Uh, amazing guy. Uh, so in the book called. Um, I think it's called Why We Sleep. Uh, this is my book of year 2019. I changed completely my sleep routine because before yeah. that, we all very active people. We want to do this, this, and that. And, and there's, there's so many exciting things in the world. So I was just borrowing my hours from my sleep credit. I, I, I literally, my, you know, my average sleeping time was somewhere around five hours. And I'm like, well, and, but after this book, like the, um, my rule is eight hours in the bed, seven hours uh, of sleep. And I, I measure, I, I actually like, I just started to test uh, whoop. I like whoop uh, sleep algorithm. I actually have 97% uh, sleep efficiency this night. Where's my sleep? I use Aura. Are you? Do you like Aura yeah. or no? Yes, I'm actually. I, I it's it's in my home, so I'm I'm using Aura as well. I, I actually okay. find Aura algorithm a little bit more forgiving. So sometimes you like you have not a great kind of okay. night, and okay. and Aura is stuck. It'll, it'll, it's still did well. It's good, like because I'm positive positive person. Like even if something is bad, if I you know if I name it positive, it's actually positive for me. Yes. But nevertheless, I I, I don't think I. I don't think it, it, it does matter like what particular wearable you use. 
all of the algorithms that um, that you can use is, is great for that. But I just want to quote a very good friend of mine. He is uh, founder of Longevity Clinic in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, so first time I met him, same question, like, what is the one thing that you would suggest me to do? And he's like, Sergey, every evening we can visit the most powerful clinic in the world. Mm-hmm. We go to bed. Wow. And I'm like... Oh my goodness, what a beautiful way to put this this whole thing and and describe the importance of sleep. It's it's like we can't really underestimate. There's no alternative activity to sleep in terms of sustaining your hormonal balance. This is extremely important. And and hormones are the things like, and I I do think you discussed it with David Sinclair, right? Like any extreme is bad. Like lack of hormones is not like excess of hormones. Your aging is accelerating. But like, so your body has this beautiful mechanism that you couldn't really figure out through this, you know, know, medical science or artificial intelligence, how to balance your hormones. It just works this way. So use that. You, you blow my mind because, um, and we're going to get to wine and coffee back in a second. And then by we're going to go to future things, but some of them are the future, but I, uh, I wanted to ask you about hormones in a minute too, but I want to say this one thing about the sleep that he just referenced. Um, in my first book, I kind of almost bragged about the fact that I went on less sleep than most people. And as I've done my show for a long time, done more reading, more research, it's one of the things that I am most focused on in my life is my sleep. And I just want everyone in the audience to know that. Research it. You know, the, uh, I've had Sean uh, Stevenson on my show. I've had lots of people about sleep. I've got apps I use to help me sleep deeper. I've got Aura that tracks it. I've got the cool room. I've got a chili pad that David or that uh, Tim Ferriss talks about. I do anything I can. The room is dark. All these things they teach you to get into the best sleep state because people like Sergey have encouraged me through their writings and teachings to do it. And it's made a huge, huge difference for me. Okay. We don't want to skip over wine and coffee. Does it hurt us and how much? Okay. Wine and coffee. So... (laughs) <laughs> this is a funny, this is a lifestyle perspective on that. I, I, well, I, I'm a big fan of red wine, specifically American wines. After, you know, I, I started to do a lot of business in the U.S. I, I, I'm in love with uh, what you guys uh, have there. So, um, and I started to dig into this station. And I'm also a big fan of coffee. Okay. So I, I, and I, I do believe, you know, you need to have your kind of cheat things. Right. Sure. Whether it's, you know, a burger on Saturday or for me, it's one or two espresso a day. So my answer is like, if you look at the research on uh, coffee and wine, it's uh, the, it, the graph always looks like that. Okay. okay? What, tell so everybody what you're describing for the audio people. Yeah, what do you yeah, show? Okay. So you can see that there's like the graph is, is, is pretty flat, but there's like, um, Optimal point, which is one or two glasses of wine okay. per occasion or one or two espresso a day. Got it. So you have this in statistical terms, you have like relatively, um, so you can always say like, you know, one or two espresso a day is good for your longevity. But the, the shape of this curve is in statistical terms is really insignificant. Got so this like, unless you really overdoing this with coffee, or you're really overdoing this with alcohol, with, with wine. It's just, I, I don't think it's influenced a lot your longevity. But having said that, alcohol, um, in, and specifically excessive, excessive um, consumption of alcohol, is a really bad thing for your body. Because from a certain point of view, after one or probably two glasses, your liver yep. 
change the way it's processed the alcohol. Because yeah. before, like, you know, one glass of, and during the evening, it can absorb, you know, everything. It's going to be, you know, super friendly for your body. After that, well, it's completely different mechanism. Okay. Mm. It's actually converted uh, the, this whole excess of energy and alcohol into fat. So mm. that's, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. So my rule is one or two glasses per occasion, which is basically on my definition of occasion. It's either Friday or Saturday. Okay. <laughs> Once a week. And this is fine. You can yeah. do it. Like, but like not more than two uh, glasses of um, red wine, particularly like red. I, I think yeah, uh, white is particularly beautiful uh, as well, but not every day because after age of 40 or 45, you'll find yourself in a trouble with um, everyday conception. Even if it's just one glass, it just changes your, your metabolism. It's like, look at you, if you use ordering or you use whoop, like whatever yeah. algorithm to track and sleep, that you you currently looking at, you can see that after a couple of uh, glasses of wine, your deep sleep period starts not around midnight, yeah. but somewhere around four or five a.m. Yes, that's right. Yes. This is bad. And and the same thing with coffee. Like I and, and there's two group of people. One is like really receptive to coffee and caffeine. Like so, if I will drink a couple of espresso after two p.m. I will not be able to sleep well, Maybe. okay? And, and for me, again, deep sleep actually, a period starts somewhere around 4 or 5 a.m. during the night, not, not around the midnight. This is bad. I know a couple of friends. They can have like two espresso in the end of the dinner, and they will just like almost that, you know, in a bed in the next 30 minutes. So yeah. I think there's a power of the example that we just used. Yeah. And the power is like, 30, 40 years ago, for you to do experiment and longevity is 15 years exercise. You take a group of you know, old people and you wait until all of them die. This is your feedback cycle mm. 30 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And what you can do in this world with 15 years feedback cycle right now, it's like that. Yeah. It's every minute, right? With every wearable you have, you can yeah. like every morning, you can look at the quality of your sleep and, and, and you know, have very important takeaways for your lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's how we, both you and I discovered that, you know, both caffeine or, you know, alcohol in the form of uh, wine or any other bad habits actually in negative, uh, in negative way influence our sleep. So that's, that's the beauty of the feedback. Got it. I, I, I like that we're allowed to drink wine a few days a week and have coffee because I want to be alive 150 years or 200 years, but I also want to live. You know, it's not just being alive. I want to live. And I, I, wine is part of how I feel I'm living sometimes. So <laughs> I feel good about that. All right. Let's talk about some future things and some just kind of stuff that I've always wanted to ask you um, that how you feel about it. Cellular health often is discussed, you know, as the key to having longevity. For many, many years, and we won't get real detailed here, but for many, many years, people meant, thought telomere length was life length. The other thing that people thought was free radical damage yeah. was that's aging. In fact, I've had guests on recently that still are talking about free radicals in the body and needing to rid us of them. And uh, now I want to know what you believe, because David Sinclair said, look, more and more research says maybe free radicals don't contribute to to the aging process. You say the similar thing in your book. You, you quote uh, that in the book. So free radicals in general are, they're detrimental to our health. I assume you believe that, but not necessarily detrimental to aging, or do you think they're a non-factor either way? Um, oof, that's a $1 trillion question. So uh, <clears throat> in, um, in few words, 
Number one, we don't have a unified theory of aging in the world, right? There's a lot of disagreement what actually causes aging. And like, and you know what? What I like in these cases is I'm always wondering, like, okay, this is all great, all this scientific disagreement, like. What are the stuff that you guys are using? And this is the question I'm always asking to like the biggest professors in the field. And they all using this nine or like, as it's explained in the book, 10 hallmarks of aging. Mm-hmm. And so this basically explains all the roots, all, you know, all the sources of aging in our body and in our mind and, uh, and give us a lot of powerful uh, takeaways. So one, there's no one thing. There's no silver bullet, right? Whether it's free radicals, I have a lot of doubts around free radicals and um, or telomeres or your genetics setup. Well, actually, your genetic is is uh, responsible for thirty or forty percent of your longevity, and and you can you know, take a, a different view on that. You can say, well, it's it's all genetically predefined, or you can say this is great. 60 to 70% is under my control. So I'm going to change my life. And this is where we can talk about epigenetic, right? The yes. way how our genes express uh, themselves inside our body. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's telomeres. Um, so I do believe, you know, all these different hypotheses, they're not necessarily right or wrong. They work in combination. And we already know like all 3000 genes in our DNA, which are responsible for aging processes for longevity, Mm-hmm. And they actually work pretty well in, uh, if, you, if you do genetic analysis of um, DNA of people who live 100 years and above on this earth, they call centenarians, yep. like um, all these 3000 longevity genes are uh, particularly working well on their DNA. So what I think, we wrote 50 pages, two chapters on different theories of aging for the book. And in the end, you know what we did? We, we, we put it on the shelf, okay? And it's yeah, very, 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 yeah. And it's it's a very short chapter. I think it's called chapter number three, uh, different three years of aging and why they not necessarily matter in yeah. this world. So that's that's the whole thing. I, and But just understanding complexity of this and understanding some of this is genetic, right? You can, and today it's beautiful. We, we can know where we are weak or we are strong in genetic terms. And you can do a lot around this. Mm-hmm. And some of the things in just in our lifestyle and, we, and, and using the food as medicine or, medicine or um, physical exercises or detecting the earliest signs of the very dangerous diseases. So I do think there's no right or wrong answer. It just, it's, we have only one framework, which is nine hallmarks of aging, which uh, confirm it shows the complexity of the human biology. Do you think that, um, let's, let's, let's sell the dream a little bit. By the way, I, I'm really grateful you answered that way because David answered it very similarly. Although I do feel like you guys lean in a direction, and I'm not speaking for you, that maybe some of this telomere length and some of this, uh, uh, free radical stuff is uh, overcooked to some extent, and there may be better markers to track going forward. But let's let's sell the dream a little bit. What does so? I think most of my audience does not know what the genetic editing looks like, or they think it's some futuristic thing that's you know forty years into the future. Can you talk a little bit about genetic sure. editing, CRISPR, sure. any of these technologies sure. in general that are literally altering lifespans now and altering? potentially the DNA of a human being. And I think people need to know this is right. Some of this is right here. Correct me if I'm wrong soon or even currently. And then some of this stuff is 30 years from now where we're going to be, you know, putting a chip in our body that measures all of our levels all day long and recalibrates all of it. But 
tell us a little bit about genetic editing and CRISPR in general. So uh, as we discussed, yeah, I mean, depending on the sources, 30 or 40% of our health is um, defined by our genetics. So that, that it's, it's extremely important. Yep. And in yep. some of the cases, if you have rare genetic disease, it's, uh, it's much more damaging. So your genes are working uh, against you. Mm -hmm. So um, a few decades ago, there's nothing you can do about it. This whole thing started is with our ability to sequence human genome, just to see the composition of our uh, you know, DNA and, and look at the different genes, how they express themselves and, and basically do the mapping, like which particular gene responsible for this condition, either bad or good in your body, like the good genes, like longevity genes, some of the bad genes, etc. And while it's called rare diseases, they're not that rare. There are 400 million people on earth suffering from that. So, well, let's look at evolution, what we have done in, in the last 30 years um, in this field. So again, 30 years ago, first human genome has been sequenced, 13 years, $3 billion. Today, like when COVID, uh, when we discovered that this you know, thing called COVID in this space, and obviously virus genome is different from human, it was in a couple of days where genome uh, of uh, the virus of COVID has been sequenced in so many countries on Earth, which gave us enormous power mm -hmm. to develop vaccine. I, I was just reading in news, uh, I, I think it was uh, New York Times uh, like a month ago, and in the name of the, in the title of the article, um, Moderna vaccine has been developed in the course of two days. <laughs> Two days. This is amazing. Obviously, they did a lot of work, like decades or even decades before that, like Bob Langer and and, sure. and a lot of this, uh, you know, great people who created this. But in the end of the day, this is the speed of invention these days. So, thirty years ago, CRISPR, which is basically genetic scissors, like what it does, this the certain protein um, charge in a way that it finds this similar sequence in your own DNA mm -hmm. and cut it out. Yes. Or this, this, this version of this can, it can replace the genes. So it's cut out you know, certain genes and bring the other genes in your DNA. So that's, that's how CRISPR works. And um, in the end of the day, well, then the question is, well, that's a pretty dangerous and um, it's, ex it's ex extremely important surgery. Okay, because if, if you didn't manage this well, you know, the person can die. And they say, this is the story from the book. This is what happened uh, 20 years ago with one person. And then the whole you know, field of genetic has been silent for like 10, 15 years. Again, so then, then, then is the genetic level. And that's the other level called epigenetic, right? This is what you discussed with David Stinker. And this is how, you know, different proteins, which, you know, um, help our genes to express themselves in our body. Well, this is really easier to manage. You can do a lot of you know, different things with that. So, but just looking at um, evolution of our ability to influence our genes, again, 400 million people. So um, 30 years ago, handful of people, they had nothing to lose in this world. They were about to die. That's why they were really happy to um, you know, go in a trial and, 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 and be a part of this CRISPR technology, this genetic sister experiment. Mm -hmm. um, in the last 10 years, uh, people were working on, on different like orphan disease, right? Rare diseases, like 400 million people on earth, very expensive procedures as well. These days, we all participate in a global experiment in gene therapy because Moderna and some other vaccines, um, mRNA vaccines as the outcome of gene therapy. 
And look at the affordability aspect of that. Look at the, how quick we've been able to develop our response to COVID. If, if COVID you know, time would happen, would have been happened 50 years ago, the death toll would be completely different. Yes, especially I for people. people. I was just reading something that said that if it were that long ago, that the population in the world 55 and older may have been 70 to 80 percent extinct yeah. based on um, different mutations that may come had we not yeah. cut it off at the past to some extent. That's, a, that's an unbelievable statistic. Yeah, it's, it's so unbelievable. that's why I'm, I'm very excited. We're living in, in a unique moment of time where you know, intersection of scientific discoveries and, and empowered by technological breakthroughs finally you know, give us an opportunity to create a completely different version of healthcare. And the yeah. version of health, which is much more affordable, accessible, personalized, data-driven, and uh, technology-based. My dream is for the healthcare, and hopefully my mission, is healthcare to become like a basic service that you receive from the government for free. Yeah. And, and look at the technologies that we're investing in through Longevity Vision Fund, like um, cost of colon cancer diagnostic, 10 times less. And, and this is the real numbers of the companies and, and the products they bring into the market in a few years from now. Co cost of ultrasound device, um, 50 times less, five zero. Crazy. This is amazing. Or this organ regeneration technologies that we invested in. Uh, it's a company called like Genesis. They're based in Pittsburgh. They just take human liver, donor liver, split it in 50 to 75 pieces. Use very simple operation to put it in, inside your lymph node. And then like a new liver grows inside your body and supports the function of your sick liver. This is, this is just amazing. Can I, I want to just say this. I, I, I want to go back so I want people to catch everything. I've been reading about the Genesis because of you and guys, I want you to understand what he just said to you. They can, it can actually functionally regrow organ tissue, right? Like you understand this is now, this is happening now and his fund invests in this and they do it somehow. Don't they, you started to say it and I interrupted you. So I apologize, but it's somehow through the lymph nodes somehow, right? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, cellular it's actually, therapy through the lymph yeah, nodes. It's actually here. This is like the best, lymph node for you to regrow but he just pointed crazy. to his lower abdomen area you guys yeah, yeah. yes and uh again like in this world we have one-to-one -one, uh donor to recipient relationship there are right. hundred and seventeen thousand people on the waiting list for organs for donor organs in the u.s only yeah. 17 people die every day because they couldn't survive for that long well, this is the opportunity for us to solve this problem. It's going to be just one donor helping, helping 50 to 75 pieces. And this is not the science fiction. So they've done testing on you know, mice, dogs, primates, pigs. And this November, they start human trials. They just got FDA approval earlier That's this incredible. year. It is. Yeah. And then and forget about liver. And they, then they start to work with kidneys. And they actually start to work with, with thymus. I don't know if you know the story of thymus. This is it's like a special organ, which is responsible for our immune system inside our young body. It's right. actually, it's, it's, it has maximum performance until the age of 18 to 20, until you, you just, in evolutionary term, you, you just you know, come into your reproductive period when, when you know, in a period when you need to reproduce. Yeah. And then after age of 20, it's gradually start to shrink. That's why our immune system 
Wow. It's not disappearing, but like it's it shrinks in size like really significantly. Yeah. Our yeah, immune system is always going level down, level down with every year mm. after this age. Mm. And uh, well, one the program number three in like genesis after kidneys is is actually regeneration of thymus. Wow, 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 wow. And if and if we will be able to support our immune system, like you know, forget about COVID, forget about cancer, forget about you know a lot of other things. And um, if you think it's scary, th think about people who actually really need it in this world. So, like when I talk about human brain. AI integration, like brain-computer interface, uh, which is, you know, people know Neuralink um, from Elon Musk. People mm -hmm. you know, say it's scary, but I'm like, guys, what about people who suffer from dementia? What if yeah. we, can, we can use human brain-computer interface to help them to live the last five years of their life yeah. fully integrated into society? This oh, I, hope people, I hope people will do a little research on Neuralink, Elon Musk company, because I don't think it's scary at all. I actually think it's absolutely fascinating. And I think that Legenesis is... I, I, it's a world-changing proposition we're talking about here, guys. I just had Rod Carew. He's a very famous Major League Baseball player on my show who had a heart transplant. And he was very fortunate that he actually had a relationship with the family. This young boy he mentored ended up dying, mm. and he got the heart of this young boy. And I thought how grateful I was because this man was actually a mentor to me. But then I thought for a minute, not that many people are that fortunate that they've got some relationship that they happen to get an organ donation like that. And just literally millions of lives we've lost that if the Genesis's technology continues to evolve, guys, these things can go away at some point. And you start having organ health, you start having longevity that's off the charts. And so, and lives saved, not just extended, but lives saved. And so this is the stuff, this is why I wanted Sergey on. I think he's, I think he's one of the most wonderful, fascinating men. And he's not just thinking these things. His longevity fund is investing in these technologies to make them real. And it's, he's a very valuable human being. He, he, he someday could go down as someone who's literally rewritten history for millions of lives. And so I don't take lightly that you're here, brother. And I don't know that you always get acknowledged. He's bowing. I don't know that you always get acknowledged for the unbelievable work that you're doing because I, I, there's not that many. Really, the longevity crowd, the longevity field, I know about everybody in it now, right? I mean, it's a very <laughs> small group of brilliant, kind, generous souls who are just trying to change mankind. That's all they're trying to do. But it's not a very big group of people, ironically. And there's all these millions and millions of dollars that were spent on all this research on these diseases. And now they're coming at it from the other angle. And it's this other viewpoint that to extend life, not just solve a problem that is actually solving the problems that we were unable to solve the last 30 years. And that's why this approach, this higher level, bigger thinking approach is actually solving these problems that have plagued human beings for so long and, 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 and taken lives. So having said that, a couple rapid fire stuff. How do you feel about NAD? You, you like it? You don't like it? Does it extend life? It's right there. He's got a, he's got a yeah, bottle of it right next to him. Yeah. Yeah. So I look and um, I do think there's something behind that. And uh, just speaking to like David Sinclair, uh, Eric Verdin, the head of Buck Institute of Aging Research in California, Peter Diamandis, like everyone who started to take NMN or you can, you know, the other version of NAD booster or something like Elysium Basis or, uh, uh, true niogen from chromadax. Uh, there's something behind that. Your level of energy and specifically your physical performance is increasing. Uh, so 
I'm, I'm using uh, NMN and it's um, they call it the one you put under your tongue, a sublingual version of it. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I'm believe it. But remember, I'm placebo man. Okay. I know. So, so am I. What about forty percent? Yeah. What about so we got get regular checkups, let the food be the medicine, get moving, yeah. eat early and less often, constantly work on quitting bad habits, make your sleep your superpower. We know about these other technologies. We've talked about thirty-six hour fast potentially or twenty-four hour fast. We got an endorsement of NAD. We talked a little bit here, Sergey, earlier about hormones. And I did talk about that with Sinclair. Yeah. Are to me visual aging. So I have friends that I, I've been candid about this. I take testosterone therapy. I had very low testosterone. I take it and I've, I get my levels to what would be a normal, uh, what they call a normal measurable level. I don't want to be too high in my case. Yeah. I also didn't want to be at, at 150 as a male either. So I, you know, I'm open with what I do. I take NAD also, um, but I do take testosterone. Do you, uh, to me, visual aging, like when I see somebody that, okay, I'll give you an example. I don't think this is a secret, but my dad and, uh, because he's just, well, I shouldn't say it. There's an actor that's very well known that's made a lot of movies who's kind of known to have taken testosterone for a long time, who's a friend right. of mine. And uh, he's about the same age as my dad who passed away. My dad passed of cancer and by the way, did smoke and, and had some of those other habits, but also exercise and ate great, but he did smoke prior, quit but I think the damage may have been done when he was younger. Visually, my dad looked considered very much more handsome guy than this dude, my dad was, but my dad visually looked older. So from a visual standpoint, the person who sustained a normal functioning hormone level in his 50s, 60s, and 70s, at least aesthetically, looked much younger than my father did, who did not do any hormone therapy. So I'm just curious, does it have a stamp of approval? I'm not sure, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? Yeah, so what, what do I think? One is um, uh, there's an easier way to fix the like a moderate level of problems with hormone disbalance, which is sleep. And we discussed that today. So that's okay. important takeaway from our conversation. Mm -hmm. Second, I do think this the the key words, uh, the key word here is a balance. Like that's why we always talk about hormonal balance. So with human interaction, it's just very difficult to find a balance. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer of, um, unless it's, it's just a matter of your death and life. Mm -hmm. Don't touch this, but I don't have a lot of evidence behind that. So yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a number of people on the planet, which would really need this. But for the rest of us, there's so many options available to us. Yeah. And I'm looking at you. Uh, yeah. you, you, you are not on any hormone replacement therapy, correct? And you look younger I'm afraid. than me. Yeah. I'm really afraid. afraid. Yeah. To like, because I've been diagnosed three times with excess of healthy living. Okay. Because yeah. like every time I'm really radical man. So every time I try to do something, I'm like, I'm just yeah. go to the extreme. And I'm like, well, Sergey, yeah, your body starts to work against you. Yep. And that's it. And, so and I, just, I want to be clear too, for my, I'm certainly not ever recommending that I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know what's right for everybody. I know putting any exogenous, anything in your body has some deleterious negative effect. I also even know in my own case, I'll just say to everybody that there's some evidence that testosterone can suppress HDL and I already have low HDL. So there's all these ramifications once you start putting things in your body. And then once you've done it for a long time, you're sort of stuck doing it forever because your body stops producing it. So yeah, yeah. certainly not recommending it, but I just wanted your take as a longevity expert yeah. and 
just visually what I've seen. How about oxygen and oxygen therapy for cellular health? How do you feel about that? You're smiling. Uh, so I, I, I'm doing this every year and it's uh, 10 sessions, 45 minutes uh, each. When I come to Moscow to visit my mom, uh, during the summer. So I, I, I just go to like space center when they like the, the whole tool they use for astronauts. So um, there's clear evidence of oxygen therapy, uh, positive effect on, on your brain health. Okay. okay. Or there's, there's uh, the evidence of this supporting your recovery after any kind of shocks related to your uh, like, um, your brain health uh, system. So that's that's one thing. Secondly, there was a very interesting study. In, I think it's in Israel. For 60 days, they put um, people who are, I think they were like 55 plus years old in uh, in the oxygen chamber for one hour. But, but it was like in the course of 60 days. And obviously they get their uh, age reversed. Um, I, I do believe there is something behind that. And it's, it's specifically like if you need to work on recovery of your brain functionality after your health shock is, uh, is uh, an important um, opportunity and important intervention. I do think there's a natural um, limitations to like really scale up this um, technology because like you know, producing the oxygen, it's like it's very inflammatory. So if you're in the chamber, you can't use anything. Yeah, it's it should be like hundred percent cotton wear. So like, I just uh, like I know it sounds a little bit idealistic, but my mission is to change one billion lives. So I'm not really interested in something which would yeah make me younger. But like, what about other people? So yes, I don't. Yes. I, it's a, it's a rare, exotic, useful intervention. Can we use it to solve uh, and bring affordable, accessible version of healthcare? I'm not sure. Okay, good. I love that. That's why I'm asking because I, you know, it's become more and more a protocol for uh, healing after surgeries. So I've thought, you know, is there some tissue benefits to the oxygen? Yeah. Had other people on the show even recently who are big believers in oxygen therapy. And you know, uh, can I just say something provocative? Like every mm -hmm. moderate shock to your body will produce a result. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why, you know, all this you know, different diet, they, pr they produce the outcome. Your, your body is like, oh, my goodness, what is happening? You know, yeah. bad time's coming. You know, I need to that. Right. You know, cold shower, like starvation, mm -hmm. fasting, oxygen, hydrogen. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it, it's, it, this is the way it works. Uh, you know, again, this is, don't take it at face value, but it's just, like, just a little bit of provocative thoughts for our audience. Like, just challenge your body to the extent that you can and don't go to extreme, but like your body will respond to that. Very good. I'm, so I, the reason I'm asking a couple of things that aren't in the book, because I also want people to get the book, which by the way, is the science and talk technology of growing young by Sergey Young. I read it in two days. I probably could have read it in an entire day, but my flight ended. Um, but it's fascinating. It's like, you just keep wanting to turn the pages because like we've said, there's the applicable things that you can do that are practical right now to extend your life. And then there are things that are here. He does these horizons that are amazing. Like here's 10 year horizon. Here's 20. Here's you know, what could be in 30 years. One more question on that's not in the book. I'm just curious if you've done any research on it, which is red light therapy. Um, I've been hearing more and more about it. I do it now. I actually have a red light bed. I do it more as a uh, recovery mechanism for my working out. When I go, I have to say, Sergey, when I go speak to these college teams, these pro sports teams, see a lot more red light beds there 
that's an athletic performance thing potentially, yeah. but I'm just yeah. worried. I'm curious if there's been anything you've thought about or read about in terms of a life extension as it relates to red light therapy. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a lot of evidence behind that. So, like, when I visit uh, my, you know, I, and I'm pretty sure our good friend Dave Esprit in, uh, in Upgrade yeah. Lab in, uh, in yeah. Santa Monica, I'm kind of trying this, but this is more exotic. Well, like, the one thing which can be helpful here is this potential effect of red light therapy on your uh, vitamin D level. Okay. Because if this relationship exists, that has actually transformed this from recovery, from athletic, kind of intervention to much more useful because we are all deficient of vitamin D. We're always under the roof, right? In the car, uh, in the office, you know, in the gym or at home. And uh, that's why, you know, taking vitamin D as in the supplements, they, 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 this can be a very good substitution or supplementation to that. Okay. But not a major game changer in your mind. Okay. He's nodding. No, this is why guys, everybody, I, this is why I have someone like him on the show because I want the, the most up-to-date research on these things. I also want obviously a cross section of opinions on this stuff. Okay. So we've covered so much today. Tell us a little bit about what X prize is, because I think it's something that there are also people listening and watching this today that have great ideas that have, um, you know, innovations they thought of or created, and maybe they don't even know where to go or what to do with it. So tell them a little bit about what XPRIZE is and how you're involved with that. Yeah, so I'm an innovation board member of XPRIZE Foundation. Uh, they're based in Calvary City in, uh, in California. And um, the whole notion of XPRIZE, uh, and this is like real example, you go to Elon Musk or someone like him and say, Elon, would you give like $15 million to the team who would solve one of the world's biggest problems, mm -hmm. like uh, helping kids in Africa learn Swahili and English, or people in prison do the same to become literate. Um, and so, and you pay for results. So you have then, so you create a competition. You say like the winner, we're gonna get this $15 million from Elon Musk. And it's actually called Global Learning X Prize competition. We finished this back in 2019, I guess. and. Uh, two, three, 400 teams all around the world from 50 plus countries is starting to develop this solution and they compete to solve this world's biggest problem. Actually, the second XPRIZE that we've done with Elon, we started earlier this year, it's called Carbon Removal XPRIZE and it's $100 million to the team or teams who would develop the technology to take out CO2 from the atmosphere mm. and, and you know, put it in a minimal viable product. So the XPRIZE competition that I'm working on is HVersal XPRIZE. Yeah. So what we're going to do, and we, we you know, team up, we have amazing advisors um, uh, for design of this XPRIZE, like David Sinclair, George Church, um, Nir Barzilai, uh, Steve Warrett, the, the man who invented the first biological clocks. So what we're going to do is just you know, measure the biological age of the people in question within the 12-month period. And like the winning team should demonstrate the maximum age reversal Got it. Within this 12 month. It's obviously, it should be approved intervention. Mm -hmm. We're expecting at least three, 400 teams to compete for this X prize. We're currently in discussion with different sponsors for them to donate anywhere between 50 or $100 million. But we're going to pay, and, or this person going to pay only to the team or teams who would actually develop the, the technology or intervention or will bring scientific discovery breakthrough to do age reversal and this is for us to wait uh, the way to fight age reversal uh, sorry age related diseases like cancer heart disease diabetes 
Uh, it's uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's 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 uh, amazing the work that you're doing. I feel like we're on the precipice of an acceleration right now, and I don't just say that to be rah rah. I feel like we're at a time in our history we're on the precipice of very much accelerating the things that you have in your book. Really, uh, that that seventy eight number feel like there's a really great chance over the next decade or so that number's significantly higher with with all the things the tissue regeneration the the epigenetic stuff that we're talking about these the research your fund and just people doing the practical things that we talked about today to just live better and live longer i'm i'm so optimistic about it and i by the way i have a million other things that i want to cover with you the people that know my show know what room is he in right now i had a uh a pipe burst in my house. And so there was no way two weeks in a row, I was not going to have this man on my show because I wanted to share his brilliance with you. And I wanted you to have this information At the same time. There's no plug in here. So we've gone an hour and I've got 4% juice on my laptop. So we're a very sophisticated show around here. We get millions of audio downloads, millions, and I'm on a laptop in my bedroom, which I think is that should give everybody hope out there with a dream that you can accomplish whatever you want because you're listening to two guys right now. Sergey, 20 years ago, if you look into his background, you would not think he would be one of the cutting edge people on planet earth on altering life duration, but he finds himself doing that. And you certainly, if you knew me better, would not think I'd have one of the most far reaching shows in the world that reaches millions of people. Cause I prove it every week on my laptop that I still don't know what I'm doing. So I just hope it gives everybody hope with a dream. Sergey, you're awesome. Today was incredible. This will be shared to millions of people. I can feel it just simply because the information is it's not found anywhere else. And it's also more of it, by the way, is found in his incredible book, guys. And I'm not a big bookseller. You guys know that. This is a real book you should read because you all want to live longer. When I asked you in the beginning of the show, do you want to live to 200? You know, we've talked about some very practical things today and some things that aren't that far away that could very much make that a reality. So, Sergey, any final thoughts you want to share with the audience before we wrap things up? Guys, don't wait for 10 or 20 years for these beautiful technologies to arrive. The time to take back responsibility and control over your health is today. So stay healthy and happy. Stay on longevity bridge, please. I love it. You're amazing, brother. We're going to do this again. I want to do one with me, you, and Sinclair in one room. And we just <laughs> go. We'll do that in the next 12 it's months. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's yeah, do it. Because the updates will be even greater by that time. Hey, everybody. God bless you. Let's live longer. Let's live healthier. Let's help more people. Let's make a difference in the world together all of us collectively in the Max Out universe. God bless you all. Share this with people you love and care about. This is The Ed Milet Show.